The reading this evening is from Romans chapter 12 and starts at verse 9 and is on page 1139 of the Pew Bibles or on your screens. Love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is the word of the Lord. Hugh, thank you very much. Um, I thought I'd try something a bit special tonight. I don't know if this is going to work. It could be absolutely disaster, but there we go. I'm sorry, Hugh, you just sat down. Uh, would you like to come and join me on the stage? Don't worry, he doesn't know anything about this at all. Just come out if you would. Sarah, would you like to come and join me? You can bring your husband as well if you like. Yeah, that's okay. Come on, yeah, come on, come out here. We, we need you, we need you here. Come on, come and join Hugh at the side here. Hold hands if you feel led. Okay, um, we, we don't mind. Um, David. Alison, would you like to come and join me on the stage here? Yeah? Take your time. It's all right. We've got all night. Don't worry. <laughs> Keep going. Eric, come and join me, brother, would you? Despite what you said to me this morning about Tottenham losing, um, which I haven't yet forgiven you for, I must confess. Uh, come and join me. Come and join me. That's great. Now, I could keep going like this, um, but this is the church. You can cheer if you like. I don't mind. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could keep going like that if I wanted to, but you know, we haven't got time to get you all out. So uh, the, the word ecclesia is literally the called out people of God. It's God saying, I want you. No, perhaps not you, George. No, yes, we do want you. Um, it, it's God saying, yes, come, 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 come. And we together form the church. Now, that is what the church is. There's nobody here by accident tonight. We're here because God has called us out and said, come and join this fellowship. Be part of something. The catch is that we are human beings, which means that sometimes we don't get it right. And what we're going to be doing this term is learning how different people from different generations of the church all learn how to get on with each other and we think about others more importantly than ourselves, the one another of church life. And that's what we're going to be doing, thinking about how we work that out. And we're going to start that in Romans. Thank you. Give a round of applause for the church. Thank you very much. Yeah, go for it. Brilliant. And Eric, yes, I, I have forgiven you, mate. It's all right. Yeah, I can, I can cope. So I think we ought to pray before we start. Anything else, don't you? Let's just bow our heads and pray together. Father, please, teach us what it truly means to be your people living in your community. What does it mean? What does it look like? 
what do we do when it goes wrong? How do we, how do we learn to love each other? And tonight, how do we learn to honor one another? So I pray that you'll teach us that through your word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's, it's very dangerous to let me loose on Romans. Romans is one of my favorite books. It's just a fabulous book. You're not allowed to have favorites, are you really? But it is one of mine, I must confess. Now, I just want to take you through the flow of it to, to get where we're at tonight, because I think this is so important. Paul spends the first eight chapters, some would argue the first 11 chapters, talking about what Christians truly believe. Uh, and there are some great nuggets of, of statements that Paul made. Let me give you one or two of them. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, 323. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Yes, 623 that is. Therefore, 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Yes, that's fantastic. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. A bit later in the chapter, we know that famous verse. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, 8.28. And, and, and the first part of Romans is just full of those things that, that God tries to teach us to understand what it means, what we believe. And it's after all those that chapter 12, where we're in tonight, starts. Therefore, when you see a therefore, you always ask what it's there for. It's always following on something. It's always picking up an idea. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is the beginning, my friends, of how we learn about relationships together. We understand who we are in Christ to offer our bodies, us, to him and say, let that be a spiritual act of worship. In other words, because of God's Saving acts. He's done so much. We offer ourselves to his service. And so it is on the basis of our relationships with, with God and, and ultimately with ourselves that we then build our relationships with one another. We don't just get up one morning and say, I'm going to be a good boy or a good girl. I'm going to really work. No, we start with God and we say, God, you've done this. Okay, I now want to be, as it were, at peace with myself. Now I want to move out. And I want to work at developing my relationships with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why Paul says in chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you. There isn't anything much in Scripture more, more strong than that. I urge you. Come on. I urge you. Offer yourselves in worship and service. He goes on to say, do not conform to this world. Break out of the mold. Be different. Be transformed, verse 2. Let your mind be renewed. I want to transform you. I don't want you to stay in that worldly mold and just stick with the values of this world. I want you to be transformed. I want you to be different. And then he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Sober judgment is required. Then he talks about exercising your gifts. And when you look at the gifts in that chapter, you see how they're, how they're to be used. They're to be used generously, encouragingly, diligently, cheerfully. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, okay, understand what God has done. Understand who you are in Christ. Understand who you are. Do not think of yourself more highly than you are. 
than you ought to. You're just a sinner saved by grace. That's who you are. You can claim nothing other than that. And then he says, okay, now let's look at how we develop our relationships with one another. Because of what Christ has done, because we have come to understand who we are in Christ, let's move on from there to look at how we deal with our relationships with our brothers and sisters. It's a wonderful build-up, isn't it? Go, go home and read the chapter of yourself and you see the way Paul unfolds it and develops it for you. And therefore, these little phrases that we get in the middle part of chapter 12, verse 9 onwards, uh, it's easier just to read them as a kind of list, really, just a list of things that we can do. We're going to take them apart a little bit tonight. But what does he start with? When we start talking about honoring one another, what's the first word Paul uses? Love. Love must be sincere, he says. And love is the basis of building relationship. Now, this is not some sort of soft, schmaltzy love. This is not violin time or anything like that. You know, It's not that kind of love at all. It's an agape love. It's a giving of love. It's a sacrificial love that Jesus expressed so beautifully on the cross. It's a sacrificial, open love. And as I stand here tonight, I should not have anything but emotions of love for every single one in this congregation, and that's what you should have for me. Even if you think I'm preaching rubbish, you should still say I love you. Now, this is dynamic stuff. This, this is not sort of Hollywood love. This is not sort of, you know, magazine love. This is sacrificial love. This is the fact that I want to love you as part of the community that I am part of in a way that's transformational, in a way that makes huge differences. And that means that I will honor you as a fellow believer in Christ, as a fellow human being. And I think, I don't know what you think, we've heard enough, haven't we, recently about um, people putting other people down, you know, saying that they're rubbish, saying that they're liars, saying that they're this, saying that they're that. I, I believe profoundly that if we could only just demonstrate that this stuff about love will change people from people who just pass each other in the night to people who genuinely and lovingly enjoy being part of a community of God's people. Many of you know what that's like. I know what it's like. I've been in this place for several years. I know the love of many, many people. I've experienced the love of many, many people in this place. Boy, it's precious, isn't it? Don't muck with it. Don't damage it. Don't tarnish it. Let's learn to love. Let's learn to honor one another in love. And that's where Paul starts this incredible list. And it talks of this, this dynamic love. Um, you see it right the way through. If you want to study for yourself, just get a hold of Romans and read the number of times that Paul talks about this love. And he says, this is the love that Christ first demonstrated on the cross, chapter 5, verse 8. God poured his love in our hearts, chapter 5, verse 5. Who shall separate us from the agape of God, 835. It runs right through the book because Paul understands, yes, 
there is got to be pure doctrine. But if that pure doctrine is not taught with love, it's pretty empty. 1 Corinthians 13 says something very similar, doesn't it? And those characteristics of God in this early part of Romans become the basis of how we relate to one another. He uses the phrase one another several times, and he will go on to tell us how that can be worked out. So, let's look at sincerity. Uh, We get that in verse 9. Hate what is evil. Sorry, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Don't you hate counterfeit love when somebody says, I love you, and you know they don't really mean it. That's, that's horrible. It means literally, love must be sincere. Love must be without hypocrisy. The image of the play actor is what we have here. And what God is saying to us tonight is, is let us love without hypocrisy. Let's not play act it. Let that love be genuine our concern for our brothers and sisters. There's no pretense love. What what was worse than Judas, who demonstrated his betrayal of Jesus through a kiss, a sign of love? That's pretend love. It's rubbish, isn't it? And what God is saying to us is, I don't want that counterfeit love. It's sickening. Let's be genuine in our love for each other. Now, does that mean you've all got to come up to me afterwards and hug me and kiss me with a holy kiss, of course. Um, Does does it mean that? No, it doesn't mean that. Love is an action word, isn't it? I I could say all night to my dear wife, I love you, I love you, I love you. She might turn around at the end and say, what about a cup of tea then? You know? Love is an action word. We demonstrate our love. That's what the Bible says Jesus did. He demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He actually did it to express his love. So that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is discernment. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil, what does that mean? It means that when I see something that is so clearly evil, I genuinely hate it. I, I, I'm going to fly a kite here a bit, but I, I think sometimes as Christians we can, we can look at it and say, oh, it's all fine. Everything's going nicely. When we look at evil, we should hate it. i tell you one of the things I hate, and again, I'm in dangerous territory here, but I hate it. I remember when I was a youth leader, I used to do Dave's job many, many years ago until they pensioned me off. Um, But I used to love doing that sort of job. And what I saw when, when young people became Christians and then drifted away, and their lives got tainted and tarnished with the things of the world, and they lost their faith. I used to hate that. I'm not afraid to admit to you tonight, I wept tears over people like that. Because I hated the evil that was taking those people away from following Christ. Friends, we are to hate what is evil, and know what is good, and cling to what is good. And where values and actions are right and good, we support them, we honor them, we, we love it, we hate what is evil, And that is discernment. We need to be, my friends, in in a community like this, discerning people. We need to know what is good and what isn't. And there are plenty of people who are going to tell you, this is good, that's good, this is good, that's good. And we've got to learn what is and what isn't. And that's what Paul is on about here. Now, the next one. 
Uh, be devoted to each other. Uh, that's affection. That's a bit like Paul in Philippians 3. I thank God every time I remember you. Be devoted is a family word. Now, we had chaos in our house. We, we saw bits of the family over Christmas. But on, I tell you, on December the 30th, when you get seven grandchildren, their parents, and several mothers-in-law, and a couple of hangers-on in one house for an evening, you know you've got chaos on your hands. But let me share something with you. I loved it. I'll tell you why. Because they're mine. They're my sons and their wives and they're my grandchildren. And I'm intensely proud of them and I love them dearly, every single one of them. Even when they drive me nuts and they put chocolate all over the sheets in my bed. You know? What's that about, eh? How did that happen? I'm not sure how that happened, but it did, you know. Hey. Our bed tasted sort of... No, I didn't taste it. Smelled. You, oh, just leave that one. Forget it. Uh, it's not pretty. Um, be devoted to one another. Let's stick to that. That's much more important. And brotherly love, which, which is what this is on about, is a kind of... Like you have an affection, and I hope you do for your relatives. There may be some who don't experience that here tonight, but... That's how we should be here. I, I, I just love walking in that door. Because I'm going to meet people who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Be devoted to one another. You're a great bunch. I love being with you. It's brilliant. I think that's true for most people here. One in particular that I'm still on about. No, I love your brother, really. But, but that's the joy of it. You see, the joy of it this morning was that Eric met me in, in the most ungracious way, I have to say, and, and, and reminded me that Tottenham had lost at Southampton 1-0. And uh, be quiet, be quiet, go away, get thee behind me. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, dear. Yeah, but I love him as a brother. And that's all that matters. Blow a football match. We love each other as brothers in Christ. Be devoted to one another. And we've got to practice that. And then we get to the word that we're really particularly talking about tonight, about honoring one another above yourselves. The second one another, there's one or two of them in this passage. Esteem others high, higher, more highly than yourself. Now, does that mean you become a kind of doormat? No. It means that I look at the other person and I say, I value them more than myself. That's a tough one. But that's what I should be like. I should honor them. I should say, I esteem you. I value you being here. I value your gifts that he's been talking about earlier in the chapter. The gifts that you bring to this church, which builds a congregation together. The word used in Scripture is edify, building up. As that person's gifts, this person's gifts, that person's gifts, that one, that one, that one, that one. They all mesh together and they form a brilliantly vibrant community. Because each one's gift is used. And here's the important one that I never think, oh, Tom. He's all right at worship, but, you know, I'm sure I could do better than him, really. You know, especially when he loses it, one, you know, tonight. Oh, what's that about, you know? <laughs> you know, good grief. But I, I don't think that way, you see. I just don't. 
I've always loved Chris Kipling. He's not here tonight, so I'm going to embarrass him. Chris Kipling did a lot of woodwork in my house. He made my loft ladder work for me. He comes here and he leads worship. He built that bookcase at the back there and the thing out the side here. Now, if you'd let me loose on that, or if you'd let me do what his wife does and cook for lunch club, I, I would certainly be reducing the population by quite a considerable number if I was let loose on that. So what do I do? I say, thank God for Tom leading tonight. Thank God for Chris. Thank God for George. Thank God for, what's your name again? Michael, thank you very much. Uh, thank God for Susan, who I've known for a lot of years, because you all bring something special into this congregation. And those gifts are used in those gorgeous ways that Paul describes. And I honor every one of you. This is brilliant stuff, isn't it? This is radical community transformation. When this works, wasn't it Bill Hybels, pastor of Willow Creek, who said... Um, I dream one day that there will be a church where the administrators administer, where the teachers teach, where the pastors pastor, and so on and so on and so on. And everyone's gift is honored by the rest of the congregation. So we don't let jealousy come in and I think, oh, I wish I could do what he did. Forget it. It's rubbish. So we honor one another. And that's how the congregation develops and grows. Let's keep going. We're enthusiastic. Do you see that? Never lacking in zeal. Zeal's a great word, isn't it? The zeal of the Lord. Um, is, is enthusiasm is almost too weak for it. Um, but enthusiasm is a very important... Uh, for, do you remember David Bellamy? You know, all these lovely plants and flowers. Do you remember him? And he used to do these sort of great demonstrations of all oh, these lovely sphagnum. He used to talk about sphagnum, do you remember? And, and he'd get, get excited about plants. And I used to think, oh, for goodness sake, there are only plants, mate, you know. But he was an enthusiast. It's very easy to get to my age, 34, and, and, <laughs> and, and think, you know, oh, boy, I've done it, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Now, there may be people here tonight who are not feeling enthusiastic. There may be people tonight who are feeling down, low, not passionate about much. I think God wants to rekindle our zeal. And zeal is not just getting excited. Zeal is longing that the purposes of God are fulfilled in this church. There's a zeal. I want that to happen above everything else. I really do. So enthusiasm and joy, it's there as well, isn't it? Uh, never lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. It'd be great if that was our sort of hallmark for the coming year, wouldn't it be? Zeal, serving the Lord, going on with God, and be joyful in hope. Now, what are we to do? Well, we're to be patient. That's what this is about. At the heart of this is hope. It's there very clearly, isn't it? Be joyful in hope. And that is all about, well, we do have hope, don't we? We do, because we know that this life is not the end. We know that there's going to be a place where we go to be with the Lord forever. And so we persevere. We keep going. We press on. Look at it. Be, faith, be joyful in hope, knowing that there is a future. 
patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Well, that's not a bad list, is it? If we were doing that as a congregation, we would be honoring each other if, as we came together, we expressed that hope in the life to come and in the presence of God with us, patient in affliction, helping those who are struggling, and being faithful in prayer. We've got an opportunity to express that tomorrow evening as we come together as a church to pray for the year of ministry ahead. And then to share with the Lord's people, those who are in need. Practice hospitality. First of all, practice what the first bit there. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Generosity. That's what that's about. Generosity. Do we know who's in need? Now, you see, this is something which we could say, oh, the church will do with that. That's Sue Collinson's job. She's the sort of pastoral person, so she'll do all of that. I love my church in Sheffield. It was a, a great place for me to develop. And Hugh Palmer, who was uh, the vicar when I left, uh, had a lovely phrase that he put on the news sheet. It used to be all the staff listed, you know, vicar, curate, all the other people, youth leader, uh, pastors, the whole church. Brilliant. He's spot on. So you have a responsibility for him and you for him and that for you and you for them and you for this one and so on. And you can't pick and choose the nice ones. So we have this responsibility to be generous. We share with God's people in need. And it could be that that's very practical. It's very down to earth. It's about a lasagna. Or it's about a cottage pie. Or it could be a drive in the country for a couple of hours. It could be something very, very simple, like a cup of coffee in Costa. Affectionately known as Costa Bomba. So there we go. It could be any of those things. But we practice generosity and we practice hospitality. Hospitality. Is your home your castle? Does it have a great sign over the front of it saying, not today, thank you? Or does it say, do come in? And, and you see, I, again, I, I could be in dangerous territory here. I think there's a danger here with hospitality that we think it's a kind of Mary Berry type race. You know, he that produces the greatest menu, which I, I, I'm sure our vicar in his wonderful Tuesdays produces on every occasion, so I'm not getting at Simon here at all. Um, not that I've been yet, but I'm still well. Um, there we go. It's, it's not about the menu, it's about the people. It might be pizza and peanuts for all I know, but it's somebody in your home. And it's somebody sat there with you sharing time and fellowship and problems and issues and aches and pains. Practice hospitality. Let's do it. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it works and see what happens as a result. I must wrap up very quickly. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, that's easy, isn't it? But it's what the good book says. Bless those who persecute. Those who've had a pop at you, bless them. That's a pretty free translation, but that's what it means. So if people have had a go at you, 
Don't think, how can I get them back? And don't use the mobile phone as an excuse to spread gossip about people. So cut that out as well. Let's do these things. Let's have goodwill in our church. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's show empathy with those who rejoice. But let's too share that with those who mourn. Let us come alongside those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Low position. I want to tell you about somebody tonight um, who uh, I, I long to tell this story, and it's, it's, I'm going to wrap it really, really with this. Uh, we had a burglary in our house, um, what's about a year and a bit ago, um, and uh, he kicked my back door in, he nicked my laptop, he stole all the money for Samaritan's purse, and uh, yeah, he had a right go at my wife's... Um, I was going to say drawers, but that doesn't work, does it? Um, you know, that, but he did. He chucked it everywhere. Chucked it everywhere. Took a jewelry. And I was offered that night restorative justice. And, and I said, yeah, I'll have a go at that. I met him in prison in about six months after he was convicted. I had an email from him uh, just after Christmas. And he said something like this. He said... Um, I'm working on my children and how I can get custody when I come out. I've managed to get a job lined up. I'm off drugs and I'm reading the Bible you sent me. And, and that I found deeply moving. This young man of 22 who had kicked my back door in. And all I'm saying to you is, is that that experience has done me the world of good. I hope it's done him some good, but it's done me the power of good. Because my natural territory is this. This is where I feel comfortable. Now that guy kicked my back door in because he was skint. And he needed to fund his drug habit. And so he came and he robbed my house. That guy is now in a very, very low position. And it's been a huge blessing to me. And to Heather as well, actually, to be honest. To associate with that somebody who's so low down in our pecking order in the society that we've created. But he is a child of God. He needs a saviour. And he's actually asked, I haven't told you this yet, but he's asked that when he comes out, if he can come to my church and help with the odd jobs to maintain the church. And I haven't asked permission yet, so I better be careful. I should, probably shouldn't have said that tonight, but there you go. But that's what's happened. And, and I think it's so easy to live in this bubble and to forget that out there, there are people who need Jesus. And I think if we could put all these things together, uh, living in harmony with one another, yes, that's great, but also to, to be just aware that there are people around us who need a humble act of service in their lives. And if we could put this lot together, if, if we could take all those categories that Paul has taught us here, 
and say, let's, let's try in this coming year, maybe just go home and think, well, there's a couple of those I could do. We would learn truly what it means to honor one another within the community of God's people. Now, I've bags of evidence that that's already happening in this place. I've experienced it personally. But I think it's possible that we could ramp it up a bit, don't you? And become that community that looks so incredibly attractive that when people come in here, they say, oh boy, what have you got here? What have you got? And I will take you back to where I started and say, I've got a God who loves me. I've got a Savior who died for me. I've got a Holy Spirit that indwells me. And I want you to know about them all. And this is the dynamic community of God. Honoring one another. And whenever somebody comes through that door, we honor them. And say, you're very welcome here. Come and join us. Come and be part of this community. Learn what it is that there's a God who loves you, who died for you, who rose again, and wants to empower you to live in a way that's different. I think this is dynamic. What a term we could have, what a year we could have, if we could pull this stuff out, and bit by bit, person by person, not just the six that were up here, but all of us, work on this in a way that transforms the way we live together. Brothers and sisters, let us honor one another in a way that will transform the world. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name and for his glory. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray.